Hello, and welcome to the G2 Podcast. If I have not met you yet, my name is Hannah. I'm the leader here at G2. So if you are visiting or if it's just your first time today, then you are uh, super welcome. Um, If you've been coming for a while, then you'll know that every week at G2, um, our Sundays um, look and feel a little bit different as we um, step into what God is calling us to do. Lots of churches, they kind of have the same routine every week. Um, Before Christmas last term, the bishop came to visit and um, in the week beforehand, I had to have a phone call with him and he said, can you just send me like your normal template for G2? And I was like, um, we don't have a normal. They said, just send me a normal communion then. I was like, I just made one up and sent it to him. (laughs) So every week can look a little bit different here today uh, uh, on a Sunday. Sometimes we eat together, like Holly said, we did that last week as a way of building community and sharing stories of hope. Um, A few weeks ago, we had baptisms um, and we celebrated as people said yes to more of Jesus in their lives. Sometimes we just spend our our Sundays um, praying and worshiping together and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to move. But every now and then, it's really important as a community, we kind of pause and um, really think about what it means to be G2, what it means to be part of this church family and to call this place home. So if you are new or visiting, then there's absolutely no pressure today. You're welcome to just sit back and listen um, and, and let, you know, have a think about what we're saying. But it is important that we look at our story. And as I've been praying about this, about where God is leading us, what God is saying to us, I felt like God has given me two pictures to share with you today. So the first picture is of a marathon, is of running a race. Um, This is a picture of the Yorkshire Marathon that happens every October. Now, I have never done a marathon, and I have absolutely no interest in that um, distance. I don't know. Has anyone done a marathon here? No, we're all not interested in that distance. Great, I'm so glad. <laughs> but last summer, I did sign up to two 10K races. I felt like that's, the, that's my top limit, 10K. That's what I can do. And I like that it's in kilometers because then it sounds long because really it's only six miles. It's not that far. Um, but 10K, that sounds amazing. And the first one I did was the Yorkshire 10K. It was in August and it runs just like um, this picture here right through the middle of York. So you start at the race course and then you run, they close all the roads, you run through the middle of town, past the Minster and then you loop down to the river, along the river, over Millennium Bridge, down backwards past um, through Roundtree's Park and then you run all the way through Roundtree's Park and end up back at the race course and the streets are lined with people because all the roads have been closed some of those people are just trying to do their shopping because it's they've gone into town and not known this is going to happen and then they get stuck but nevertheless every the entire run is lined with people cheering for the runners and it is amazing there are crowds everywhere Um, and I had been training to do this 10K in one hour and 10 minutes. So if you're a runner, you'll know that's really slow, but that was my pace, and that's what I wanted to do. 
But I ended up doing it in one hour and 10 seconds. And I honestly think it was the crowds that carried me. It's just like the constant cheering as I went was fantastic. And then, as you can imagine, that 10 seconds killed me because I was like, oh, I could have done it in under an hour. So I signed up for another race, determined to knock 10 seconds off my time. And that, it was about six weeks later, so autumn had arrived. It was like a cold September day. And again, it started at the race course, but this race, was entirely on the race course so it was like this horrible like you loop down here and then you go back here and then you go around and then and you just like and at one point you get quite close to the finish line and then you run away again from the finish line um and there was no cheering people there were no crowds anywhere um except for kind of at the end but you know like right really far away on the race course and the, just like this kind of slog of running and it was just so much harder and then with about two kilometers to go I knew that I was slowing down I could feel like I was struggling um, I wasn't entirely sure what my pace was because like my Fitbit wasn't in sync with the markers so I didn't really know what how I was doing and this old lady overtook me <laughs> so demoralizing I was like oh. so at that point I thought all right, I'm just gonna try and keep pace with her like she's obviously doing all right I'm just gonna try and keep pace so I just stayed about two meters behind her just running trying to keep pace and she looked over her shoulder and she said are you gonna go past me and I was like I can't I've got nothing left um and so I just kept pace with her and then we turned the corner onto the final straight and there I saw my cheer squad my boys this photo was taken before the race like they were more involved um, at the cheer time but something in me switched when I saw my squad cheering for me and they um, as I approached them they started running alongside me and I found this energy that I just didn't know I had like I said I thought I had nothing left and all of a sudden I kicked and I went past the old lady and um, she cheered for me as I went past she was like you go and then she got faster and ran pace with me too. As we live out our faith, as we grow as disciples of Jesus, we need cheering. We need encouragement like this. And sometimes it's just a quick cheer as we run past someone that just taps us on the shoulder and says, you go, you can do this. Sometimes it's running with someone that helps us hold pace and we're just keeping pace with them because that's the best that we can do. And sometimes it's running alongside someone for a much longer time. A friend of ours called Chris did the Yorkshire Marathon a few years ago. And my husband, Luke, ran 15 miles of the marathon just to cheer him, just to support him, like as if you can just do that. And then he jumped on his bike and did the last bit on his bike. But it really helped Chris just having someone running alongside him that wasn't competition, but was just there to support him. One of my favorite things to do every year is to go and cheer at the Yorkshire Marathon and we go to mile three and then mile 24 because our house is kind of between those two points. And it's amazing to see people come past at mile three with all the energy and, you know, they've got, they're like ready to go, they're enjoying it. And then you see those same people at mile 24, you know, with two more miles to go and they are flagging. But when they see people cheering for them and particularly our friends that we were really looking out for, and we were playing music and we were dancing and cheering for them they their spirits lifted and they said to me in the week afterwards like you got me through that last two miles I really didn't think I was going to do it and then I saw you not just me like there was a whole group of us and I knew that I could do it in Hebrews 12 it says this 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The New Testament is just full of letters cheering on the followers of faith. Paul's letters in particular, he's writing to churches, encouraging them to help them to keep persevering. And he thanks them for, for their encouragement that he has. And the writer of Hebrews here captures it perfectly. Let us run the race with perseverance, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. This is not about getting through life. This is about faith. It's about keeping our faith, running even when it's hard, running even when we don't feel like it, when we're tired, running for joy, running for Jesus. And we're all in this race together. We're all running together and we all need cheering and we are all the cheer squad. And so this can look like all sorts of things for us as a church. It can look like our small group leaders being equipped so that they can lead their small groups well. It can look like the various teams that turn up here every Sunday early to set up tech, to lead worship, to make hot drinks, to lead the kids' work and the youth work. It can look like the stories of hope that we've heard today of people sharing their stories so that others can be encouraged. But it can also look like last week when Alan Brilly built a tower of Duplo in the corner to keep the kids occupied when they got a bit bored. It can also look like someone who's struggling with anxiety that turns up and says to a friend, can you pray for me? I need help this week. It can look like someone asking their small group for tips on how they spend time with God. That happened in our group and there was just a flurry of replies of people saying, this is what I do, this is what I do. It can look like meeting up with someone in a discipleship relationship to encourage and pray for them consistently. And some of these things are centrally organized and they can easily be classed as G2. You know, if you're on the worship team, that's G2. If you're making tea and coffee, that's G2. But some of them aren't. You might be surprised, but there's no rotor for building Duplo Towers. Maybe there should be. There's no staff team member for prayer. But all of these things are church. They're what we do as a family to support and encourage one another as we run alongside each other. One of the things that stands out to me when I go and watch the Yorkshire Marathon at the 24-mile point, which is just like the other side of Derwentthorpe up there, is we, you know, as cheerers, sometimes we start flagging um, and we're looking out for our friends to cheer for. But some people run past us and they, they go like this when they see us and they're asking us to cheer. They're like, come on, cheer for us. And then as we cheer, you can see that they are encouraged because sometimes it's okay to ask. It's okay to say, I need a bit of extra support this week. So I wonder who is in your cheer squad. Let's just pause for a minute and think. Who cheers for you and helps you along the way? And whose cheer squad are you in? Who are you cheering for? Who are you supporting? Who are you praying for? So the second image that God gave me to share with you today is that of a bridegroom. Now, 
This isn't like a radically new image. It's biblical. There's a few places in the New Testament um, where Jesus refers himself to himself as the bridegroom. But I think it's important because God wanted to remind us of our relationship with Jesus today. So in Matthew 25, in the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. And then in Mark and Luke, both um, Jesus is talking about feasting and fasting, and he calls himself the bridegroom. But the passage I really want us to look at today is Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Now, this is the passage where it says, wives submit to your husbands, which often makes people stop reading. So I just really want to encourage you, don't get hung up on that passage today, okay? And if that passage has never offended you, don't let it happen today. Like, it's okay. There's some really good teaching online. We actually did a whole series on like empowering women. It's on YouTube. Go and watch it if you want to know what this means. It's fine. We don't need to be scared of it. But today, I would really like us to think about how we can use this passage to, to see how, um, what God says about our relationship between, with Jesus and the church. What about if we read this passage through that lens? So I wonder if you've got Bibles with you or if you've got a Bible app on your phone or even just Google Ephesians 5 and find verses 22 to 23. I'm just going to give you two minutes with the person you're sitting next to to read it and just like highlight or chat about anywhere where it tells us something about the relationship between Jesus and the church. So you've got two minutes to do that. Okay. Let's just draw those conversations to a close. So I'm just going to run through some of the um, particular verses that stood out to me. So in verse 23, it says, Christ is the head of the church. Thankfully, not me, not the bishop, not the archbishop, not the pope, not even the queen. Christ is the head of the church. In verse 24, Christ is someone that we can submit to. In verse 26, we can see that Jesus makes the church holy and clean. In verse 29, Jesus cares and provides for the church. And in verse 31, Jesus and the church become one. So what is the church? I've said that word way too many times now. You know when you say like something too many times, church, 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 starts to become a bit weird in your brain. That has happened to me now. So, but regardless of that, like, (laughs) now I'm stuck. (laughs) For me, even though I've been in church for a really long time, even though I've been part of, like, this church for 17 years, it's that hearing the church still conjures up unhelpful images to me. I don't know if that happens to you as well um, and what they might be. But for me, it conjures up, like, power and institution, um, you know, an old-fashioned place, an old building, old people, that kind of thing. And I have to fight that because that is an old way of thinking. We are the church. The church is the people. It's not the bricks or the concrete. It's not just a meaningless institution. You are the church. I am the church, and together we are the church, connected by the Holy Spirit, not dead, but alive in Jesus and alive because of Jesus. We are the church. 
And that means that we are the bride of Christ. So let's look at this passage again. I'm just going to read the the dark bits, but I'm going to replace the word church with the word us or we. Christ is the head of us. Now, as we submit to Christ, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us to make us holy, cleansing us by the washing of water through the word and to present us to himself as a radiant family without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for us. We will become one flesh. But I am talking about Christ and us, because we are the church. And I wonder if we really know this. If we really know that Jesus sees us as his bride, that this relationship is more like a marriage than anything else. And do we act like this? Do we submit to him? Do we put him first? Do we walk in the freedom that comes from him putting us first, knowing that he sacrifices everything for us? Do we view our relationship with Jesus like this? Or do we view it a bit more like a child and parent? You know, where we kind of wait to be told off and we see what we can get away with in the meantime? Or do we see Jesus a bit like a big brother? I've got a big brother. He's cool. But I wasn't really that interested in him until I needed him. Until those moments in my life where I really kind of needed a big brother. Do we treat Jesus like that? We know that he's there and he'll get our backs when we need it. Or do we treat Jesus a bit like a therapist who we phone once a week and tell all our problems to, offload to? Or do we treat him like our boss, someone we report to, someone that checks up on us, who we only let see our best work and we hide our faults? Because Jesus sees it like a marriage. We are the bride. We are radiant. We are holy. We are clean because of him deeply loved and fiercely protected because of him. And the only way that a healthy marriage can work is to be all in. You have to share everything in a healthy marriage. You have to live openly. You can't hide anything. For a marriage to be healthy, you just can't hide parts from each other. You don't have separate bedrooms and separate finances. When couples get engaged, we often encourage them to do some marriage prep so they get a chance to think through what it's going to be like before they get married, usually with another couple. And Luke and I did this when we got engaged a really long time ago. But um, you might not know this, but we, during our engagement, got asked to be on Tonight with Trevor MacDonald. Yeah, we were minor celebrities on primetime TV. And the, um, the thing, the... like topic of that week was divorce. (laughs) Bit awkward. And so what they wanted to do was to interview us as people that were trying to not get divorced by doing marriage prep. And so they sent a film crew and they filmed us doing some marriage prep. So there were a few awkward moments where like the people were doing marriage prep would be like, Hannah, what's your relationship with your mum and dad like? And I was like, 
not going to talk about that on TV. <laughs> Let's move on. But we were also just trying to do our marriage prep, but while being filmed. And um, they interviewed us. And we um, part of it was doing like a, a really long questionnaire where you separately answer loads of questions. And then it helps figure out like all the things that you haven't talked about. But they give you a score. So we were like 78%. That meant we talked about 78% of things. And then there was a bunch of stuff that we still needed to talk about. And then finally, you know, a few weeks later, it had been edited and it was on TV and we text all our friends to say, we're going to be on TV tonight. And everyone was texting us. It was like before Facebook days. So we would, everyone was texting saying, oh, this is happening. And then um, they, you know, obviously they take all this footage and then they cut it down. And so basically they edited Luke out of most of it. So there's loads of times where I say something and then Luke goes, oh, and then it cuts. <laughs> And then there's this really good bit where I'm like talking straight to the camera about how it's all about choice and it's not a fairy tale and all this stuff. And what I didn't know is they zoomed in on me and the only bit of Luke is his nose like this. That's all that got on TV on that bit. But the worst bit about the final edit is they turned it into like they played us off against this other couple. So we didn't know that they'd also filmed another couple. And they um, first of all, they introduced us. And then they were like, and here is Jack and Claire, who are not as compatible as Luke and Hannah. Oh, my gosh. It is not about compatibility. This poor couple. I think they were actually already married and then going back to do their marriage prep. So it was even worse. But the whole point is, it isn't about compatibility. It is about choice. It is about choosing to love each other every single day. Love is a feeling, but it is also a choice. And Jesus chooses us. Do we really know that? And do we choose him? So we're going to put those two pictures together now that God has given us. So the first is this picture of us running a race. It is God reminding us of what our relationship with each other looks like. We might all be running at different paces. We might be running for different reasons. We might struggle at different times, but we're all running this race together. Each of us running, each of us cheering. And then this other image of Jesus as the bridegroom. God is reminding us of our relationship with Jesus as Christ's bride. And this bridegroom who loves and cares and provides for us and sacrifices everything so we can walk in freedom, so we can run this race in freedom. And both these images are about love. Jesus' love for us and our love for one another. And so the challenge for us today is, are we all in? And like I say, if you're new or visiting, then you don't need to hear this as a challenge, but an invitation, and you're very welcome. But if you are regular at G2, if this is a place that you call home, then are you all in? Are you in for running alongside other people, for cheering them and for helping them? Are you not just going to be part of the church? but be the church, be the bride of Christ, walk in the freedom, know that you are washed clean, walk in that freedom that he offers you. And this impacts everything. It impacts our home, our work life, how we are on campus, with our housemates, in our friendship groups. And so there's lots of ways we can respond to this today. 
I wonder what you are holding back. What area of your life have you not gone all in with this? Are you committed to your small group? Not just turning up each week, but journeying alongside people and really getting to know them. Are you serving in our Sunday gathering? Are you being part of one of these teams that makes things happen? Are you praying for other people? Are you seeing people in need and asking how you can pray for them and how you can support them? And are you giving financially, even if it's just a small amount each month, so we can gather in this space together, so we can invest in people who are leading ministries, so we can grow and we can share the kingdom with more people? And so this isn't just about money. There's loads of ways we can respond, but this is a really good opportunity for us to talk about money because we just don't talk about it enough here. Because we're not a traditional church that hands around an offering, it's easy for us to go months without ever mentioning money. And in our British culture, money's private, isn't it? We don't talk about how much we earn. It's an individual affair. But our church culture is one where we can talk about everything where we live open-handed lives, where we can be honest with each other. And money can be an area where we don't, because we don't talk about it, it can have a stronghold over us. And so giving everything that we have, every part of us, including our money, is part of our worship to God. And currently, only a third of people that come regularly to G2 are giving financially. And I'd love to see a church where everyone is giving, every single person, and not because I want your money. I promise you, it's not about wanting your money, but it's because I want every single person to say yes, whether you are a student or a retired person, whether you live off £5 a week or £500 a week. I would love to see everyone saying yes to this. We are a really young church. Like I mentioned, if you're a retired person, we don't have any retired people here. We're really young. <laughs> Our average age is 22. And so maybe you've never thought about giving before. That's okay. Maybe you've just never, ever been presented with the opportunity to give. But today's a chance to think about it. And it is brilliant to see how small groups have been thriving this year. More people are saying yes to being on Sunday teams. And last week when we gathered and ate together, so many people said it felt like family, and it did. But this whole thing doesn't work if we don't go all in and share our money as well. The trend in the UK is that young adults don't give. Across the church, they don't give. Well, we're already booking the trend because the average age in the Church of England is 61 and we're 22. So let's go further. Let's book the trend even further. Let's be a church that gives generously. Let's be a church that says yes. And every single time we give anything, we are a little bit freer because then we say it doesn't have a hold on us. Every single time. And it is a blessing to give. You're way more blessed when you give than when you receive. And so you might be someone that doesn't earn money, particularly if you're studying at the moment, you don't have a salary. But I think you do spend money, even if you don't earn it. So what are you spending it on that you could maybe switch to giving it to our community? 
And if you do already give, if you're in the third of people that are giving, then have you come back to it recently? Have you prayed about it recently? Have you reviewed it and asked God what he thinks about it? So there's three options today. I would love it if you would all go to the website here, g2york.org forward slash yes. If you go to that website now on your phone, don't worry, nothing's going to happen. But there's three options there. One is you can start giving right now. It's really easy. If you need a little bit of time to think about it, you can click the option that says I need a bit of time to think about it. You can pop in your details and we can send you some information as a reminder. And the other option is, I already give, but I would like to think about changing that. And if you click on that one, then it gives you details on how you can do that. Or again, you can pop your details in and we can send you some information. Like I say, I am not trying to get your money, but I would just love to see a church where we are all in, in every single aspect of our lives. We'll just give you a minute to do that and then we'll be worshipping together.